0: Good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to episode 21 of Cinema. So thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Uh, last week we did a, a Halloween doubleheader with uh, Tony Ash, an interview with Tony Ash. And in addition, uh, my, my take on why Halloween 3 uh, deserves a second look. And, and I still feel that way. It's, it's still the most Halloween-y, as I call it, of, of all the Halloween films. And with that last installment with Halloween 3, I thought I'd look at uh, something that i have been talking about for a while and I talk online about, and uh, especially with, with cynicism in our entertainment. And, and it's the ability of whether it's horror or any other genre, it's the spoon feeding of an audience. And we're going we're gonna to look into a couple things here in this episode on um, specifically spoon fed horror. And, and exactly why this has become a thing. And, and is it affiliated with uh, the dumbing down of, of our society and, and our culture? I, I don't know where the exact answer is. But the number one thing that I, I really want people to take out of this piece for this podcast is expect more from your entertainment. Don't be spoon fed. Like resist it. it. It's so easy to just sit there and, and accept when somebody shoves something down your throat um, and you just do it like foie gras, I guess, or those, those poor bastards in motel hell buried up to their necks under the sacks. But to to accept this kind of, of uh, stupidity and just the uh, belief that, that studios just think we're so dumb, which is why movies are remade and, and, and all of that. I mean, that's not the sole reason, of course. But, you know, it's it's low-hanging fruit. I think that's what it is. It's, it's the reaching for the low-hanging fruit. And we've become so accustomed to just reaching for that low-hanging fruit that, that we no longer have, know how to reach higher. So um, I guess that's where I want to go with this today. So whether it's film or literature or music or, or even video gaming, refuse to be dumbed down. I mean, I, I have Death House out right now and it's on Netflix and it, and it had a very limited theatrical run and, and someday I'll be doing a cinema podcast just on the nightmare that that was. The one thing that I wanted to make sure of and that what Gunnar Hansen felt too was not just to deliver another dumb slasher movie. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit as well. I mean, we all know that there's this major lawsuit going on with, with Friday the 13th and basically any, any talk of, of any type of 40th anniversary remake, uh, new installment, whatever is going on is, is basically stalled right now. And there, there were rumors that, um, for a while that, that, the new Friday the 13th, I guess they're discounting or just not counting at all, um, the 2008-2009 the remake. And uh, they're, they're just going to kind of either start over or, or go in a different direction. And one of the things that I heard is, is that they toyed with the idea of, of an origin story. And so I, I guess my question is... Was there ever really that much there in the first place to warrant an origin backstory? I mean, I, I know there's some uh, graphic novel out there about, you know, Pamela Voorhees. Uh, she she got pregnant and stuff like that. But do we really fucking need that? I mean, why do we need a background on Pamela or Jason Voorhees? I mean, other than the obvious, and that is to, to make another installment to make money. But do these characters, are they that deep that, that we need to know that much more about them? I mean, doesn't it defeat the point of making a simple slasher film to entertain and, and to scare and, and to titillate? Why, why do I want a deep backstory? Do we really need an origin story, whether on, on Pamela or Jason or, or how Camp Crystal Lake was founded? I, I think already I'm, I'm asking a rhetorical question here. And some of you out there may be going, yeah, yeah, I want to know. I, I guess, good for you, but I, I just don't think so. I look at the concept of the origin stories. They're, they're mostly just cynical cash grabs to, to extend out a franchise for, for a couple episodes longer kind of thing just to make some more money. And, and that, of course, is the basis of my cinema, C Y N E M A EMA podcast and blog. I also feel that the millennial generation and, and those after them are, are said to be too literal. I mean, they need everything spelled out for them. They have all the information they need on their phones. Why think, right? I mean, it's it's immediate gratification. Why extrapolate? Hell, why even dream? I mean, school now is taught to the test and, and don't deviate from that and metaphors and surrealism and imagination, they, they require too much thought. That's too much. Yeah, I know. Character development and plot development. What a bitch, man. And I know that this is a generalization, but sometimes... Generalizations are generally true. I mean, so let me go further and keep this grounded in horror. When news broke of Death House, it was labeled as, as I've talked about before, as the expendables of horror. Well, I got something to tell you. It's not. However, many fans instantly thought it it was going to be some monster mashup of Freddy and Pinhead and Candyman and Michael Myers and Jason and so on. First of all, financially, how the hell are you going to do that just on the rights alone? But for me, it went further. And that is, it was never supposed to be some kind of Freddy versus Jason monster mashup kind of thing. And that's because it's a dumb fucking idea. And that's right, I said it. It's dumb. Matching up Candyman, for example, Tony Todd said when we uh, did a sneak screening of Death House uh, at a convention, Tony Todd said to a panel uh, right there with me sitting right next to him, he said that he turned down major money for a mashup between Candyman and Leprechaun. They were actually going to do that. And Tony Todd walked away from millions to do that. So that tells you something. It falls definitely under the phrase of just because you can doesn't mean you should. And the sad part is there are people listening to this right now going, well, I don't think that would have been bad. I would have paid to see that. You know what? That's your problem. Many of these worlds just don't belong together. Mashing up these characters is one of those, like I said, just because you can doesn't mean you should mentality. And I mean, come on, let's let's follow through on this. Should Jack Torrance of The Shining take on Jason Voorhees? I mean, it's lame and it doesn't work. And most of all, it shouldn't work. Look, I'll I'll never forget when Tommy Lee Wallace came to my home and he was in town. We were working on a project together. He said, I got a surprise for you. Go upstairs in my duffel bag and take out that script and take a look. And I went up and took the script out of his duffel bag. And you know what the title was? Freddy vs. Jason. And I don't know which draft it was. It was not the final draft, but it was a draft. And I came running down. I'm like, oh my God, Tommy, are you going to direct this? And he was like, no. And I said, why? And he said, because it's fucking stupid. Now, Tommy, of course, turned down Halloween too and felt that he shot himself in the foot on that. And I don't know, after the, the major box office success of Freddy versus Jason, maybe he felt the same afterwards. I never really followed up on that part with him. Uh, however... I do stand by what he said and he was right. And we'll get into the whole Freddie versus Jason thing coming up. I mean, again, people go, oh, it was great. It was awesome. My my question always back is, so where's the next one? How long has it been since we had Freddie versus Jason? So why didn't they follow that up? Or was it just that they knew it would be a one-off single shot cash grab? So before I go on, let, let's, let's keep looking at Freddie versus Jason. I mean, It was nothing more than an update of Frankenstein meets The Wolfman, basically to an extent. You had some tits, you had some ass, you had a couple fuck words in it. And and to an extent, it it was also like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I mean, Abbott and Costello, that movie meets Frankenstein, that, that movie just might be the first real expendables of horror, and it was a gimmick. The film featured former Universal greats in the decline of the studio's monster movie days. They had lost their horrific context and were played for for laughs. I mean, let's face it, in the wake of World War II, okay, with the atomic bombings and the Holocaust revealed and, and the millions dead, somehow I don't think the Wolfman and the Frankenstein monster are really scaring anybody anymore. Freddy vs. Jason was, was a fan movie, Cash Grab, and it, and it offered little else. Freddy Krueger terrorized suburbia, neighborhoods, and most of all, dreams. And Jason Voorhees lived in the real world, the awake world. And he was a rural killer whom, aside from his Vancouver slash Manhattan excursion, was best in the woods. He was protective of his camp. These two worlds didn't go together. They have, they have total different operand, modus operandi in killing. There's no need for these two worlds to come together other than to simply make money. Freddy vs. Jason gives us Freddy, remember this? Going into hell to to recruit Jason into killing kids so people start believing in him again so he can continue his senambular hijinks. I mean, over 14 scripts to get to this final plot, really? Jason is a big hulking brute. He's slow moving. He bears no resemblance to Kruger. His killing style is nothing like Freddy Krueger's MO that I had just said. Why did Freddy need this guy? Of all the guys in hell, of all the people in hell, you pick Jason Voorhees? He's the worst candidate for the job. I mean, there are a lot of people in hell. And, and couldn't you find someone else who could do a better job and also be more manageable? And if Freddie can go into hell and dupe Jason into pretending to be Mrs. Voorhees, well then why can't he do something to manifest himself into the dreams of those kids? He wants to remember them. You can go through all that trouble. You can go into hell. It's that simple just to go into hell. You can't get a bunch of asshole kids to remember who you are, but somehow it's easier to get into hell and pluck Jason Voorhees from hell somehow into the real world kind of thing. How do you do that? Couldn't the writers have found a better way to get these two properties together? I mean, it seems like much ado about nothing and the, and the result was underwhelming to say the least. I mean, there's a reason why, like I said, a sequel was never followed up with or other mashups haven't come down the copycat cynical pike. The filmmakers knew it didn't have to be a good movie and they knew it didn't have to make much sense. It was a gimmick movie. It would sucker a lot of people in and Freddy versus Jason did. So speaking of all that expendables of horror nonsense, so it, the actual action movie, The Expendables, it, it featured a number of action stars all gathered in one film and they played different roles. Bruce Willis was not John McClane. Stallone wasn't Rambo and, and Schwarzenegger wasn't the Terminator or any of his action guys. They were action stars all appearing in the same movie with a new story, new characters and new situations. So with My Death House, let's switch over from basically uh, uh, Freddy versus Jason over to My Death House film. Why, why did fans think that the likes of Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, Robert Englund would, would all go back into makeup and play their horror alter egos? Nothing about the Expendables movie implied that John McClane and Rambo would be teaming up. So why would Death House have Freddy, Jason, Pinhead, and, and all of that crew together? Well, I can tell you why. Because horror has become so dumbed down, it's the lowest common denominator type of film that dumbed down audiences would expect and unfortunately, many would want. So back to Death House. It's not the Expendables of Horror. You can catch it right now on Netflix. You tell me, but it is not the Expendables of Horror. So, so let me tell you something really cool about while we were editing Death House. One, one of the editors was a 20-something editor, a great guy, really liked him a lot, and he knew his stuff. He's a great editor. And at one point, he was also a big horror fan. And he, at one point, he turned to me in the editing room and he said, you know, Harrison, I got to ask you, I, I don't understand how Kane's character can keep coming back to life. I mean, they, they do this to him, they do that to him, and, and he keeps resurrecting. I mean, you give no explanation for it. I, I don't get it. And I said, well, you're a Kane Hodder fan, right? And he goes, well, yeah. And I said, so you're obviously familiar with Friday the 13th and Jason Voorhees, correct? He goes, yeah. I said, how many fucking times has Jason been killed? I mean, Corey Feldman chopped his head off, right? And his head just comes back because he got struck by lightning. Somehow lightning fuses a head back to its body. And uh, he's been blown up and burned and drowned and shot and, and all these other things he never, they never give an explanation. In fact, they never gave an explanation how Jason came back in the first place. When we saw him in the original Friday the 13th, he was a little boy and suddenly in Friday the 13th part two, he's a bigger hulking dude with that sack over his head. And then he just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I mean, what kind of workout program is there in the other world? We never even explain that. And even though he's afraid of the water, he comes out of the water. So I don't understand if, if he's so afraid of the water, why the fuck does he live around Camp Crystal Lake? Get moving to Arizona, asshole. So I don't understand your question. And he goes, well, I, I was just pointing out, I said, so when Cain wears a mask, you don't have any questions. But when Cain doesn't wear a mask, you have questions. And he said, you know what? I never really quite looked at it that way. And my reply basically was, well, now you have something new to think about. I mean, let's go away from from Death House. Let's, Let's look at Freddy Krueger. I mean, how did Freddy Krueger ever figure out how to come back and into people's dreams in the first film? I mean, did we really need that explanation? Wes Craven totally bypassed all of that. He was this bad guy. He killed kids. The parents murdered him. And somehow the fucker found a way to come back and raise hell again. That's all you needed to know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they gave some half-assed explanation in, in lousy 3D in, in the Freddy's Dead installment, and, and they showed the parents burning him. And somehow these flying sperm or tadpole things, skull things, uh, told Freddy, all you have to do is, you know, come commit to us, come to us, and you can come back. Oh, I, I guess. But did we really need all that backstory to, to Freddy's abilities? I mean, didn't they use a dog pissing fire in, in part for the, the Dream Master, Right to resurrect Freddy, right? The, the dog pissed fire or something like that. Where's the logic in that? Do we really need some scientist to spout exposition on, on the reanimating possibilities of canine fire piss? I would have loved to be part of the writer's meeting on that one. Hey, how about a dog pisses on Freddy's grave? No, a dog pisses fire on Freddy's grave. I mean, do we need a backstory of explanation to Carpenter's 1978 classic Halloween on how Michael Myers keeps coming back? I mean, I think Donald Pleasant summed it all up, right? And and the kid was evil. There's your explanation. So sit back and enjoy your fucking movie. Stop asking for every single piece of minutia. Do we need the remake's bad family backstory? It still didn't explain how you can't kill Michael. If bad parenting is the cause for resurrection, then then there should be a shitload of kids walking around who could call themselves Lazarus. I mean, should there be some kind of Star Wars Phantom Menace explanation for this power? You know, like the midichlorians. Wasn't that a fucking winner? I mean, who thought that was a good idea? I remember sitting in the Phantom Menace going, what? So the Force is like a genetic condition or something like that? That's what you're saying? Like you, You can get a blood test for being strong in the Force? This is stupid. The Force is something spiritual and and metaphysical. It can't be explained. It's it's simply what Obi-Wan said. He had such a simple explanation in the beginning film in, in A New Hope or just regular Star Wars. And Yoda also explained it well in The Empire Strikes Back. You don't need midichlorians. And I saw this great meme on midichlorians. It's this picture. It's like this picture of some type of genetic cellular photo. And uh, the the... Uh, title says midichlorians, the answer you didn't want to the question you didn't ask. Amen, man. So let's keep going with, with Michael Myers for a moment. Hell, they not only killed Michael in the mediocre Halloween Two, they fucking killed Michael with point blank gunshots to both eyes. And then they burned him up in an inferno that consumed Myers and his doctor. Yet in part four, Mike is back. And Dr. Loomis has some scarring on his face and somehow that trench coat made it back. And yet audiences just accepted it. We watched Michael burn at the end. His mask was melting. He was blinded, shot in both eyes. Come on, man. And they just bring him back. And, and audience just go, yeah, that's okay because it's Michael and he's back. And I remembered sitting in that theater in part four going, this is fucking stupid. So, Pleasance now has a limp and a couple bad makeup scars, and that's all he got out of an entire emergency room engulfed in oxygen-fueled flame. And I know you're saying, Harrison, suspend your disbelief. It's all about the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I get that, man, and I'm willing to accept things. I'm willing to accept that spaceships blow up in space where there's a vacuum and, and I'll do all that. But you know what? I didn't accept that Carrie fucking Fisher could fly through the vacuum of space to rescue herself after being sucked out in an explosion in, in uh, Last Jedi. I mean, come on. There's a difference here. I mean, we can look at other stuff. I mean, how did Count Dracula turn from man to bat and back again without being naked? How did his clothes transform as well? They're not part of his body, right? I mean, shouldn't his clothes fall off? Shouldn't Dracula need a phone booth or or some kind of, uh, you know, panel to to change behind? But did we need this explained to us? I mean, do you need that explained to you? We kind of went with that. We're willing to accept it. I mean, I have a similar explanation in in my podcast and, and also on my blog about 1985's Fright Night, which loses the millennials because they don't have enough spoon fed to them. Go back and listen to my Fright Night episode, or, or even catch it on my cinema blog at horrorfuel.com. I mean, these younger generation kids, they, they took the 1985 film way too literally. Many of today's viewers know nothing of the horror films that inspired Tom Holland's classic. And most just simply do not want to. So back to Freddy vs. Jason. I mean, why weren't there other Freddy Kruegers in hell? Seems like a child molesting janitor could, could figure that out, right? I mean, there had to be others like him, correct? As a result, Fred Krueger couldn't be the only one with a monopoly on Dream Invasion. There had to be other bad guys who figured this out. Where were they? And why wasn't there someone else, anyone besides big, dumb, rotting Jason Voorhees, a huge, psychopathic mama's boy, to draft out of hell? This is dumbed-down entertainment, folks. And sometimes that's okay. And as a result, we, we just suspend our disbelief for the fun of it. Spaceships, as I said, don't explode in the vacuum of space, and air tanks don't explode when shot in the mouths of great white sharks, and Superman can't really fly regardless of what color the sun is. He might be able to jump really far and high, but to perpetuate speed and accelerate and turn back time and the globe and all that stuff, no. Give me 10 minutes and science will deconstruct every single superhero and deflate a lot of comic and fanboys out there. I mean, do you really need to know the science behind the spider bite that infected Peter Parker? Do we need to know where Batman orders his supplies to build extravagant hideouts and machines without anybody suspecting? I mean, who were the contractors that built the Batcave? And isn't there somebody out there that designed all the special equipment that he had to say, yeah, I, I know that guy. Now I know Christopher Nolan addressed some of those logistical things. But I guess my question is, do, did we really need it addressed? I mean, do we really need Batman's origin story told yet again? Look, I know that people right now are flipping over Joker and Joaquin Phoenix and all that stuff, and we get the ultimate origin story with the Joker, I guess. But the reason why Heath Ledger's Joker works so well was because we don't know what story about his scars is true, and it doesn't matter. We have The Rise of Skywalker coming up, you know, this month, and and everybody's like, oh, well, what are the origins of Rey? does it really matter? I mean, everybody's all hung up on all of this and I get it. It kind of started with the whole, you know, who is Luke's father thing, but did we really need all those prequels for a Darth Vader origin story? I mean, look how well that worked out. All these predictions by fans on, on the rise of Skywalker or the new Batman movie and all that stuff, they hold about as much weight as weather predictions. they they just don't matter. I mean, when people ask, what do you think? What kind of a winter are we going to have? My answer is always the same. Ask me in March. And that's what I reply with movies. What do you think? Do you think Ray is really a Skywalker? I don't know. Ask me after I see it. I just want to go in and be surprised. I don't need all this backstory. I don't want to know where Jason Voorhees came from. I don't want to see him as a little baby. I don't want to see him as a little kid. I saw enough of him as a little kid in the original 1980 Friday the 13th film. And I don't want to see Freddy Krueger before he was all burned and doing all that other horrible stuff. Just give me my monsters, man. And that's what I really think is the bottom line with all of this. Instead of spoon feeding us, all this bullshit is really what it is to make it seem like the movie is far more complicated than what they really wrote. Look, there's a reason why they dropped the whole Michael and Lori being siblings thing. That was a stupid filler in an otherwise unremarkable script from 1981's Halloween 2*, John Carpenter didn't like it. Anybody associated with that original production didn't like it. It was dumb to make them siblings. It didn't fit right. None of it worked. And fans only accept it because, well, it brought all their original beloved characters together. It was just a continuation of the first film. There's a reason why they jettisoned that entire plot line in the new Halloween film in 2018 and why they even talk about that. No, they, they said he was her, her, her brother, but no, that's not true. They wanted to dispel that very quickly. And that was a Jamie Lee Curtis film with Donald Pleasance as Loomis, and they got rid of it all. The gaps aren't that wide, folks. Stop acting like they are. Fill them in with your own imagination and, and stop waiting to be fed the details and answers like you're a child. Know your horror with Death House. If you go to watch it this weekend, this Halloween weekend, watch it on Netflix. It it streams on Amazon. It's everywhere. It's on DVD, whatever you want to do. But know that horror is more than blood and gore. Trust me, we have plenty of it as well as action and a lot of fun in Death House. And Death House is fun. And it's total bullshit in some spots too. We have a huge menu of horror names in that film and they are terrific and fresh new roles. I would love to see Kane Sieg rival his notoriety as Jason. And as a result, his performance as Sieg, everyone is called one of his best. Kane Hodder shines in Death House. Horror is more than buying into a franchise or a reboot or a remake. It's about wanting more and expecting more. Better stories, new characters, take risks in filmmaking. It takes thought. Trust me, Death House walks the walk as well as it talks the talk. We didn't waste anyone's time and we won't waste our audiences either. Horror should be fun as well. And I've, we, I feel so, I've said this so many times. I feel we've lost that fun. I wanted Death House to be that kind of movie that back in the eighties, you're flipping around on HBO or Showtime or Cinemax, whatever. And it's three o'clock in the morning and you're right smack dab in the middle of this thing. And you go, shit, I got to finish this. That's the kind of movie I wanted Death House to be. Horror provides so many memories. And when people attend conventions, it's more than that to just meet the stars. It's about sharing memories. They share their memories of where they were, how old they were, what happened to them, what happened to them is a result of seeing that person's film. I've heard it. I've stood there and heard these people tell Kane Hodder, Skeet Ulrich. I've, I've heard them say so many. Oh, I was here when oh, I was eight years old. I was 10 years old. I was a teenager when I saw your movie. And now I bring my kids. And I want my kids to understand what they don't have now. And that, folks, is what filmmaking is all about. And that is what is not cynical. Take a look at what you're watching And as I always say, demand better of your entertainment. This is Harrison Smith for Cinema. Thank you again for your time. And I look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Have a great weekend. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison.